We still have big news in the NBA, and I'm going to uh, get to it today. The big trade, John Wall, Russell Westbrook. Okay, but today's episode of the Ryan Russell Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate. That's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro and asks for a trade a year later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your influence to fit your needs like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. The great price and even greater service State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's the Ryan Rosillo Podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. The plan for today, Daniel, Jeremiah, NFL Network, move the sticks, does a bunch of stuff, and a big draft guy. But instead of just going all in on the 2021 draft, uh, we're going to do something a little different. We'll do maybe a couple headliners that he has from that class. You know, we end up doing a ton on the quarterbacks because I think that's what people want, and I know it's probably... The most interesting. I don't know. Kyle, would you download a podcast that broke down the top seven guards? I'm not talking about basketball. Then definitely no. Definitely not. What is your taste of anything? I gotta I don't know that I've explored that enough. My taste, like what my for my podcast and stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd be honest. Would you listen to me if we didn't know each other? I'm still gonna go with yes since the last time you yeah. asked me. Good luck. Good no, luck no, no. getting me to change that one. Definitely not. I don't believe air. you. I don't believe you. And I'm not offended. <laughs> nice. I'm yeah. just telling you. It's, I like like I'm hardcore history. I'm like a history nerd sort of. So like that's what I like. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's great because uh, Teddy's Rough Riders just invaded Cuba and we're on that chapter of volume one. We're almost done with volume one over here. I've been kind of perusing some other books. I'm Are gonna, you going to hold off on your next knowledge dump until you've like finished the volume one? The problem is I was going to do that knowledge dump with Rockefeller. And then I'm like, am I going to go back and highlight different turns of his story? And then, you know, if I'm really going to do the history dump, like I've done in the past, I need to either take notes while I read the book. But I mean, do I really want to do that? Like the book time at the beach, that's my time. 
I agree. I would vote for Roosevelt over Rockefeller, but that might be just because I'm ignorant. No, I mean, the Rockefeller thing is is unbelievable. I mean, the guy just basically was was the most intense businessman. I don't know, ever. Seriously, I mean, his, his standard oil stuff is off the charts. OK, but you're like, hey, are you guys going to talk about this the whole time? Uh, we're not. So, well, maybe we'll do a vote for the next big history dump. I'd like to get Philbin on to maybe do the Mayflower book, because that's probably my favorite book on history that I've I've ever read. But it was years ago. So then it means I probably have to read it again to do the interview the right way, which I'm not sure I want to do. But um, I do want to have him on because I've read most of his stuff. So maybe we'll just do that. The Chernow thing. I don't know. He's my white whale. I'm not sure we're ever going to get churn out because if we did, then what do I do? Do I go, hey, let's let's cover Hamilton, Grant, Rockefeller, Morgan Stanley, Washington. Do we do that? And then the other book that no one can remember. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Or we just do Washington for an hour. That's probably the best way to go because it's as far as all the books so far, Washington was the best one. So Daniel Jeremiah will do some life advice, but let's start with this. It's a trade that had to happen. It was the only way it could happen, and it was maybe the least surprising, but it's still such a big headline. John Wall traded for Russell Westbrook. All right. Basically, from a basketball standpoint, like I can I can do 10 minutes on this, but I'll admit my first thing, not because maybe we were just desensitized by it because we had heard about it a couple of weeks ago, and you go, you know, look, if they're really going to move one of these guys, that's pretty much it. This is Richard Lewis for Gilbert Arenas without the gun suspension. That's what this trade feels like. And at this point, I think Westbrook still has more to offer than any of the guys are talking about. Although some of the defense of Westbrook, the player is like, Hey, he made 13 all NBA. He really shouldn't have. He put together those two great months and the season stopped and he wasn't very good when he came back. But again, that didn't really matter as a playoffs, the whole thing. So I don't know. Like if you're going, Hey, Westbrook's still an awesome player. Yeah. He's going to put up numbers. He's definitely going to put up numbers with the Wiz. We'll talk about the East here in a little bit. The money, the money's actually even, believe it or not, wall is still owed more in this. I don't know what the pick's going to end up being. It's protected. I guess there was some stuff where originally it could have happened. And then it had to wait to figure out what was going to happen with this pick. I mean, obviously, a first rounder has to be involved with anything. The difference is there was like one here instead of seven. Um, let's start at least with the East. Let's at least do that. All right. So if we look at last year's East standings, who's still in? Milwaukee's still going to be in. Toronto finished with the second best record. They were actually closer to Milwaukee than they were Boston. So you've got Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Pacers, the Miami Heat clearly will still be in. Uh, the Sixers are going to be a playoff team. Brooklyn should be a playoff team again. So that's actually seven teams still there. I had tweeted out last night with Westbrook. Does that put him in that five to seven? Did I say five to seven or five to eight range? I probably should have said six to eight range because healthy Westbrook, healthy Beal, and a couple other nice pieces we like, that has to be enough. Westbrook over the course of a regular season. Again, health at this point with him is uh, it's not a given. It, it's a better bet than it is Wall, which is probably why Washington just you know blink, look at the trade, and go, "Who won it?" Okay, money's even. Pick all right, whatever. We'll see what happens. But Westbrook's a better player in this situation, and Wall is younger, but it's coming off the Achilles injury. We'll get that in a little second. But Washington should be. They better be a playoff team. They better be because then you go to go. Who else is jumping back in? Charlotte with a healthy Gordon Hayward, best version of Charlotte. Are they close? There were six games behind Orlando last year, and again, it was an Orlando team that was seven games under five hundred. Um, Chicago, I don't know. I don't see that. There were 20 games under 500 last year. Maybe. Knicks, no. Uh, Pistons, God, no. Atlanta. Everybody's on Atlanta. Okay, they're better. 
no doubt they're better, younger players getting better, and the two pieces, you know, probably the two big pieces that we that we look at them bringing in. And there's still some work to do there because Collins has been the most available guy in the league now for a while. But I don't I mean that nobody wants him if he's been that available this long. So if you look at Atlanta, it's worth remembering they were tied basically for the worst record in the East last year with Cleveland. They had one more win and one more loss. So percentage points ahead, barely. But Atlanta and Cleveland were the two worst teams in the East. And Atlanta was right there with them. So they've got to improve 13 to 15 games. Maybe, not impossible. But that work for Washington is is still a little bit more than probably what I originally tweeted out um, this week. Look at the West. Okay, Lakers still in, Clippers still in. I know everybody's, everybody's so off the Clippers. Here's a bit of a zag. The Lakers' offseason was great. But was it that great? Was it so great that we're just supposed to think everybody's going to roll over now for the Lakers? Or suggesting there's any challenge for the Lakers, is that the mistake that some of us ran into on the restart where they looked terrible, couldn't make any shots, rotation was still weird? And by the way, whenever you see a team where the rotation is still weird, never forget the bubble Lakers because the rotation was forever weird. It was never consistent and it didn't matter because they were adapting. And that's why Vogel's really good as a coach. He actually did adapt. But when you lose and you adapt, then it means you're a bad coach. Those are the rules. So Clippers in, clearly the Nuggets in, Thunder, Sia, Jazz, Mavs in, Portland's in. So that's seven spots right there. Again, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Mavs, Blazers, Rockets would be seven with healthy Harden. It should be. But think how tough the rest of the West is, okay? Oklahoma City, I think we can write off at this point. But Golden State, Minnesota, the Pelicans, healthy. That should be a playoff team. Sacramento, they're not terrible. San Antonio, again, not terrible. And then Phoenix, who has to be in the playoffs with Chris Paul. So the bottom of the West, as we've said a couple times here, it is worth repeating. It is so much deeper than the bottom of the East that it could actually inflate some win totals in the East when we start comparing the top of the East to the top of the West. And that end up, that could end up being a bit of a mistake. Now, the biggest problem for Houston is you're going, okay, now what? I defend Wall sort of. I I think it's at least worth remembering that a couple years ago, he was awesome. If you go to 16-17, his efficiency was never better. It was kind of a career run for him. Uh, played 77 games. I could do some of the raw stats. I'm not going to do all that stuff, but he was really good. He was arguably like ninth, 10th in the league, just that alone. Now, does it mean perennial top 10 player? No, that's stretching it a bit. But he was really good. But again, that was two seasons ago. He's played 41 games in 17-18, 32 games 18-19, and didn't play any last year. That's a tough bet on the Achilles. However, we've seen video from pickup games. So what does that mean? It means everything is fine. I mean, Scotty Brooks is just telling us he's never looked better. And apparently Harden loved what he saw because they played in a pickup, to, yeah, a pickup game together. And Harden was like, yeah, I'm in. Now, just to back up here, and I know, Houston, I know what you're going to do here. And look, Houston, I'm your friend. I've been trying to help you through all of these big stories the whole time. I'm trying to make you guys in the local market better. I told you about Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. I told you Deshaun Watson didn't really like him that much either. I actually defended you in the sense where Houston, I go, yeah, they're not the only ones cheating. Maybe they're not. no one else is doing it this egregiously, but other fan bases shouldn't just sit there and go, I can't believe you guys cheated. When a lot of your teams were doing some weird stuff too, but maybe not to that level. 
And then, as I've told you throughout this entire Rockets thing, like, I don't know why you root for this. It's gross to watch. That's fine. It's your guys. You stick up for them. Now, I'm not going to sit here and give myself an annoying, uh, condescending W on the Westbrook trade. Because remember, let's go back to one year ago in December, because this started making the rounds. I had said, look, I think Westbrook's available. I made it very specific. It turned into something else. I can only take the full W if Daryl Morey were still there and traded Westbrook, which eventually was going to happen. And if you push back on that, like, yeah, you're right. Daryl never trades anybody. My bad. Um, that's sarcasm. So it's not a full W for me that Westbrook is out of there. It's just this thing is kind of a disaster. And this is unfortunately what you've had a root for the whole time. And I feel bad. I'm giving you a hug right now. But think about Harden the GM. What's our other rule on this podcast? The players are the worst general managers. Harden went from wanting Paul getting him, then being like, I don't know about this. I can't even do a hard impersonation, by the way. Um, not that I need to or you really want me to. To then wanting Paul out and wanting Westbrook. And it's like, here we go. And then you're like, mm. and apparently Harden wanted Wall. <laughs> so they did it. And then, you know, now it's his teammate. Yet Harden still wants out. I don't know what's going to happen with the Harden trade. The player ends up always winning this eventually, and and we could sit there and wish it were different. And I think we're getting dangerously close to just so much movement that you're like, is this good for the league? Although my solution to this all, something I brought up 10 years ago, redraft everybody every single year. It'd be the biggest event in sports, all 450 plus players available every single year. You just draft and you could go by like City and whoever won it picks 30th the next year. Just do it that way. It may be annoying, but it also may be awesome. And then you could just co- do contracts, be like four and five year contracts, and then you just you draft the contract. I could I could do this whole thing. I do a full podcast on this, maybe a two parter when we're really really bored if if sports shut down again. Um, I mean, there's other examples of this. I mean, Paul George wanted LeBron, then didn't, then wanted Russ, and then stayed with Russell Westbrook. Then wanted with he wanted to be with Russell Westbrook so bad he left after a year. Then Kawhi wanted Paul George, and now you get Paul George saying this kind of stuff. And then, you know, the way I was being used, I felt like I was, you know, Doc was trying to play me as like a, a Ray Allen or like a J.J. Redding, mm-hmm. like all pin downs, all like, I can do game. it, but that ain't my game, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I need some flow. I need some mixes of, of pick and rolls. I need some post-ups. All that. Just different touches, you know what I mean? And so it, it, it was just, you know, that last season was just hard uh, overall. That was with the all the smoke crew. When you hear that, do you think leadership? And there's a lot of evidence that he's not made great uh, great calls on other stuff. I mean, he's basically complaining about the way he's being used when it wasn't the way he was used. Because if you go with Kevin O'Connor's tweet, was like interesting comments from Paul George. He finished 33% of his total plays using the pick and roll, which was a career high. The prior high was 25% in Oklahoma City. So the way Doc used him was the way Paul says he wanted to be used. And then George actually says that's not how he was used. George invented the approach that Doc used with him this year. That's a scary deal. That whole quote from you, and you can hear, you know, Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes going, yep. And I don't expect them to know his his play ratio on the spot like that. But I think... I think that's kind of scary. And I also think that's the kind of guy that doesn't show up in playoff games a lot, which we've been over. And it actually leads to a perfect conclusion. And that is, 
That's why LeBron and Anthony Davis, who have both resigned, are the perfect player GM parent. LeBron, the GM, can be emotional. He wants no young players. He wants you to trade all of his draft picks. And if you're a Cleveland fan, you're like, yeah, that's right. He wants us to trade all of our draft picks when he would have no commitment beyond next week. Not the best. But he signed an extension with the Lakers. Anthony Davis signs the extension with the Lakers five years. Doesn't do the shorter deal to get to the 10 years of service time where he could hit it again. But some people are now like, well, he did the five years because he did this. So, yes, there are those of us from just all the conversation around it. It's like it's probably going to go shorter, probably going to go shorter. Okay, now he wanted to go longer because of this, but then he thinks he can hit it one more time. Got it. All right. And there was a couple people that had said, oh, wait, because I never thought he was going to leave LeBron. You don't let Clutch run the show out of New Orleans and then go play with Clutch's guy in LeBron and then go, hey, do you want to explore free agency and make it harder in LeBron with the Lakers? That was never going to happen. What I did say is that other teams, and I said this with Simmons, is that other teams were still operating from a hey-you-never-know standpoint. We're trying to make sure the relationship with Clutch was great, bringing in some of their draft picks late in the process when it didn't seem to make any sense. And I would ask, why are you bringing this guy in? And be like, look, you never know. LeBron gets hurt. They don't get along. I mean, all these guys kind of bail on each other all the time, too. I mean, just look at the Harden resume here. But Davis is deferential enough to the orbit that is LeBron's galaxy that it can work because of an age thing and a separation and the fact that Davis had to lose that many, you know, those many years in New Orleans. So for right now, it works and clearly it works well enough for him to do the five year instead of two. I never thought he was going to leave. I was saying other teams operated with the hope that anything is possible because things change so fast, which we've just been over because things change so fast in this league. We tease him at the top, Daniel Jeremiah. I love when he stops by. Not so much into the 2021 draft, but we'll ask maybe a few questions here or there. You know him from the NFL Network, Move the Sticks podcast, also the Amazon kind of scout show that they do because of eight years in NFL front offices. All right, man, let's just jump into it. The, the idea for today was, I can't believe it's only 2018, that draft, Baker, Darnold, <laughs> and Josh Allen, Lamar, Josh Rosen. We don't have a ton of tape on him since that year, but I mean, it's... That's only a couple of drafts ago. And I, I felt like the way we we categorize this is there's a group of quarterbacks, not all from this class, but are kind of now under part two of their career. We were waiting yeah. to see what part two is. So let's start at the top. Remember, the Baker story was kind of crazy last minute. People were like, wait, Schefter's reporting that he's going to go one. But other teams really did like him that year. So it maybe wasn't a total shock to NFL people. But here we are with Baker. The Browns have a great record, but it is still week to week with him. Let's talk about your evaluation then and where you're at now. Well, first of all, I want to do the behind the scenes story because you referenced there is Baker going to go one or not. So during that process, I had, you know, I had always thought that it was going to be Darnold. I remember at the pro day thinking the Browns at that, you know, they were enamored with him, Darnold in the rain at the pro day, kind of sealed it. That was it. And then all this stuff about Baker started popping up. And it was like, okay, this is a legitimate possibility. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, this is going to happen. They're taking Baker. And I think for the last Maybe like what a couple of days before the draft is when that kind of dropped. It might have been Schefter that did it, but it was like okay, they're they're going to take Baker, and then because people little, thought it was media wise from the outside. Again, this is just yeah, people on the outside. It for was, sure, it was so not according to plan because you just expect the reports and all that stuff, and mocks can be really misleading that way. Yeah. That people thought it maybe was a smokescreen the last twenty four hours. 
Yeah, and, and I did. I, I put him in there, uh, put Baker in there in the last mock draft. I, okay, this is it. I've heard it from so many credible sources. They're going to take Baker. Well, we're in, I think it was in Dallas that year for the draft. And so we had, we're getting ready to come on set for NFL Network for our coverage. And my phone rings and it was somebody that was very involved in that process. I think it was an agent who was, who was connected to one of those guys or in, in some way, shape or form. I was like, it's not, I'm telling you, it's not Baker. Like at, like, like, very, very strong take that like this is you're gonna look bad if you go on there and say this. I'm just warning you, it's not gonna be Baker. He's okay, not was be this agent? Pick. I know you can't go too far, yeah. but was he connected to one of the other quarterbacks? Was that why he was doing this? I don't know how much he, you can answer here. Yeah, he was connected to one of the players that was gonna go in the top five. Okay. So you kind of, you know, all those guys who, who they're represented by and had a feel for it and talking to different teams and that and and so I'm sitting there going like, holy crap, like I, I we're getting ready to go on the air. And I'm like, you have to have that that discernment, right? Of like, do I want, I don't, I mean, I'm not a newsbreaker. Like, I don't want to, I'm not going with any of this stuff, but I'm like, I got to tell somebody. So I call my brother-in-law and uh, I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe this. But like, I just was told by somebody pretty credible like this. I don't think Mayfield's going one. Like, this is going to be nuts. And so, and I don't know if it was with him, with a buddy or what, but I, so I call him the next day, the next morning. And I'm like, dude, got some bad info on that. Sorry about that. But I had to tell somebody, but you know, so th- thanks for picking up the phone. He goes, yeah, that was an expensive phone call. <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, what? He goes, I'm like, don't even tell me. I don't want to know. I feel terrible. Um, he was a huge fan. He's a huge fan of, of uh, the Washington football team. So I worked some back channel to try and get him like some type of an autograph, something or other from, from his favorite. Cause I felt terrible. I'm like, I wasn't, I would never advise you to do anything stupid like that. I just had to tell somebody this information that I had gotten. Yeah. Look, it happened. The big one I remember was Johnny Manziel because whatever there was, there was this weird media Ram St. Louis connection. And then the agent part of it where the president of the Rams father is a big time agent in football and you had a bunch of people kind of hinting at it on the air and then off the air being like, Rams are going to grab Manziel. So I was telling my buddies from St. Louis, like, this is what I'm hearing. And I remember I was close with somebody that was close with Manziel too. And they're like, oh yeah, like that's what's happening. And it was unbelievable. And granted, you know, you're in the role, your role is different than mine, but we don't have the pressure. That's why I have so much respect for those guys. Like I had a thing very last minute for the NBA draft just a couple of weeks ago where somebody was like, this is going to happen. This is exactly what, no one's going to believe it, but this is exactly what's going to happen. And I was like, all right, all right. And I never said anything about it. And it didn't even come close. Like the team (laughs) that had the chance to do the thing that I was told absolutely didn't do it. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, that was our plan. We didn't have a chance to No, you had a chance to, and you didn't do it. So anyway, it happens. All right. So Baker, you ready? Yeah, we'll go to Baker here. So I ended up, I'm going back through my notes. I'm just going to pull out some of the highlights here from from the reports. Um, So Baker, I had as the third quarterback in that draft class, which I'd love to get your your take on these ranks. I'm trying to find like the good stuff as well as maybe some of the red flags that are hidden in some of these kind of reports and see what we see what we learn from it. All right. All right. I'll try my Uh, best. All right. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll just give you some highlights here. Unique setup. He's very frenetic. He's he's consistently accurate despite throwing from a variety of platforms and arm angles. Uh, gets a lot of torque from his lower body. Now scroll down here. Uh, biggest challenge in his evaluation involves the lack of tight window throws he's had to make. Uh, it's going to take some time for him to adjust to the lack of space at the next level. Um, we get down to the end. Uh, he might like might lack ideal size, but love his accuracy, playmaking, and toughness. Has the tools to be a quality NFL starter early in his career. I thought he was kind of maxed like he was what he was when he entered the league 
Wow, I think that's actually right on point. I mean, it really does feel like that. I mean, have you? Where are you with him now? Then, I think he's. I think he's a exactly kind of where I thought he would be. Second which is contract a, starter, though. That's really the question. Is what? I'm yeah, asking. he's a low. He's a he's a low end second contract starter. So he's a little bit dependent on what's around him, and, and if you have the right surroundings, you know, if you 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 surround him with a good offensive line, run game, defense. You're going to win games with him because he's more than capable in that regard. He's not going to be somebody that's going to elevate everybody else around him. But I think, and they're going to find themselves in a place where they're going to be winning, and they're going to say, "Okay, we're you know he he's good enough. We can win." You know the old line, right? We can win with him. We're not winning because of him, but we can win with him. I think he kind of falls into that category. Yeah, look, it's not like Cleveland spared any expense for him. Um, they they went all in trying to add as many weapons. I don't know what's real now about the Odell stuff where his numbers are better with him gone. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, is it true or is that a framing of stats where stats can be misleading? I think the scary thing for Baker versus everyone else in that class is he's older than almost all those guys by two years. And I think he's got a year. I'm not going to start looking up birth dates here. Josh Allen was, I think, the second oldest out of that. But Baker's, yeah. Baker was just older than those guys. So... Mm-hmm. At least I don't know how much that plays in the football evaluation, but it, it well, can I just scare thought, you I sometimes. Thought, I thought he was kind of what he was. I thought he was already kind of close to his ceiling when he entered the league. High high floor, low ceiling guy. So you're still pays. It sounds like you're pretty much still the same on him. Who did you have one then? So I had Darnold one. So now what? Him? Yeah, let's go. Let's go through Darnold and we see what we can find here. Um, just kind of skip through some of this stuff. Long loopy throwing motion, but he but it's it's still quick and explosive. Um, he's adept at changing ball speed and ball flight, has enough velocity, uh, fit balls in tight windows. Once he improves his weight transfer from his back foot to his front foot, foot, he should see an uptick in accuracy and velocity. He's a nifty athlete. He's capable of escaping and creating down the field. Biggest issue uh, coming out was his propensity to fumble the ball. Need to do a better job keeping both hands on the ball in the pocket, covering up once he takes off. Overall, Darnold has some areas to clean up, but I love his size, competitiveness, and ability to make plays on and off schedule. So when I look at that, he's still the best thing he does is off schedule, um, which can almost be as a negative, right? You kind of view it as a positive when he's coming out. Look at all these great plays he's making off schedule. Well, is it masking the fact that he's not playing great on schedule? Um, so that was my first thought. The second thought was some of the mechanical things, just simple weight transfer stuff. He's still on his hangs on his back foot all the time. And that's when a lot of the turnovers, a lot of his interceptions come from him just hanging on his back foot and floating the ball out there. So, uh, those were, you know, when you look back at it, you kind of see some of the warning signs there that he's had some issues with. I'll admit I liked him better than everybody else in this class. Yeah. And he has the worst QBR of any qualifying quarterback by a lot. Mm-hmm. He's in the mid thirties. Yeah. The next worst guys are, you know, I mean, Carson Wentz's story is another podcast altogether. <laughs> but it's you know, it's Cam, it's Wentz, it's Nick Mullins, Foles, and Locke. And Mullins, Foles, and Locke are not exactly thought of as to be long term solutions. Wentz would have won an MVP. Newton did, and then there's Darnold way behind everybody else. Is this fixable? I he's twenty three. So you're talking about you know Baker's age. I think he's younger than Burrow. Um, so he's look. He still has tremendous ability. You see it in spurts. This scheme is awful. I hate this the scheme that they're in. I hate the. You Why know, do you hate sp- it? What is it? Like, give me something that every one of us can understand. 
Yeah, I don't think there's baked in winners. Like if you watch a Rams game, watch a Rams game with with McVay calling plays for Jared Goff. He starts the game with 10 completions. So, I mean, I'm just saying yeah. like basically he's, no, there's 10, 10 completions built into the into the game plan. Like those are just layups, gimmies, and you're off and running. They just don't really have that there. Um, I don't like the way they attack on first down. Like that's a great time to throw the ball, throw the ball early in, in downs, and I don't think they do a great job of that. They don't adjust in games. If you watch him play, if you watch the Jets, Darnold's first, their first drive is usually pretty good. They, they actually move the ball down the field. They'll get some points. They'll stall out, get field goals, but they move the ball. They get worse as the game goes along. So all that's telling me is that when you have a week to prepare, um, they do fine. When you have to make in-game adjustments, they're terrible at it, and they don't put him in good spots. I don't absolve him from uh, you know from the issues he's had. But, uh, you know, when you look at the, the lack of guys around him and, and the, just a, a system that I'm not a big fan of. And look at Tannehill. I think that's a big part of it. Look at him leaving that system and the success he had. I'm still hopeful for Sam. I just I don't think it's going to happen there with the Jets. Would you be calling to try to get him? I would. You know, the uh, gosh, it's hard. Like, And, here, and by the way, yeah. I bring this up only because I think we're all guilty of this. You know, we put a lot of time into it. You have an opinion of them. It's like, am I trading because I want my opinion to come true? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I still lying to myself three years yeah. later? Or is it, and there's plenty of arguments to be made, as you just said, the Jets are so toxic, it's at least worth a shot. I mean, hell, yeah. if it's a third or fourth rounder, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't. I've been thinking, so I, look, this last week was not good, and that's what gave me pause. I wanted to see how he would play when they had Mims out there with Perriman and Crowder because it's actually with those three guys healthy, that's not a bad group. Uh, Mims is really good, and and Sam looked bad. He just did not play well this last week. So the, I, I have been saying, like, I thought he would fetch a late one just because the, the opinion of him was so high coming out. You know what the raw skill set is. And I honestly thought the Tannehill factor with Tannehill getting away from that Adam Gase offense and going and playing at a completely different level than he ever played at in that offense. I thought teams like, uh, you know, Pittsburgh who could be picking bottom one who don't really have their future guy on the roster. Um, you look at San Francisco, who's not enamored with Jimmy Garoppolo. He could be a fit there. Indy doesn't have their future guy on the roster. Like there's good teams that we're going to be picking towards the back of the first round when we kind of were looking at this thing a few weeks back. Now the, the Niners pick is, has climbed a little bit, um, but I don't think they're going to get a player as talented as Sam. He's 23 years old at, at that position. So I thought they could fetch a late one. But Ryan, I like watching last week. If he plays the rest of the season like he did last week, uh, then that's not that's not happening. Yeah, and I probably shouldn't have said a mid round, but I I don't know. I like when when I saw the early reports, it's like you guys can ask for a first in a second, but yeah. Know, um I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. So Josh Allen then he went seventh and yep. he has I think right now, I mean, the weird thing is, is Josh Allen the best quarterback out of this group? And that's including somebody who won an MVP in Lamar, which I know we'll get to here in a second. I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair comment. Uh, let's go through the report here. Uh, ideal size, arm strength, mobility. Uh, at his best, driving the ball outside, generates outrageous velocity, can squeeze the ball tight windows. Needs to improve on touch throws. Go through some of this other stuff. Uh, needs to throw with more anticipation. There are times where he really locks on initial read, which can lead to pass breakups, turnovers. Uh, while he has room to improve on his overall ball placement, uh, a lot of drop balls. I mean, his supporting class was terrible at Wyoming. Uh, combination of uh, athleticism and strength allows him to avoid free rushers, shake off tacklers. Aggressive runner. Uh, been very effective design quarterback runs and scrambles. Overall, not a finished product, but offers unlimited upside provided his drafting team exercises patience. So there you go on that one. I, I think 
you know, he's a great example of there's this theory, right, of, of you evaluate guys against their best opponents. So you start there, especially if you're not a, a power five player. We got to the point where we're putting so much weight on how they play against their their power five opponents. And he was Josh Allen did not play well against Iowa. I think he had three picks in that game. All right, so terrible against Oregon. And me, at the end of the day, like you realize he was playing with nothing. He had nothing around him. His Oregon numbers are so bad. Uh, yeah. Nine of 24, 64 yards and a pick. He had a 51 rating. That's a college football QB rating system that, that goes a lot higher yep. uh, than the NFL one does. I always look at that Iowa game as a positive. He got his ass handed to him. Yeah. And he ran around and competed and still made some of those guys look bad as they were chasing him all day long and making like they they destroyed the offense. They bottled yeah. up whatever they were trying to do. I came away from that game actually liking him. The Oregon game was so bad. It was hard to see a guy complete nine passes for 50 and be like, yeah, I'm in like top five pick uh, because the accuracy, the accuracy thing yeah. always kind of scares you a little bit. And look, his first two years, it looked like he might be looking for a job in four. I, I really think that. I know Bills yeah. fans seem to disagree, but he's the real deal. I mean, whatever he is, he's probably not as good as he was that first month, but I've seen enough through the rest of the season to go, it, it seems like they have their guy and he's going to get the big contract and, and hopefully it works out and he's there 10 plus years. The the thing about that Iowa game, he had a deep ball in that game that was dropped. It was incredible, incredible throw in that game. There was a couple throws that were dropped in there, but I just remember one deep. I want to say it was a deep post. He's on the move, scramble, just puts it on the money. It goes right through the guy's hands, it, it like towards the back of the end zone. Uh, but he was, yeah, I, I remember watching that tape. But he's interesting to me because, uh, and you go back through some of these other drafts and you go back to 2017. So with Josh Allen and Mahomes, you had guys that, were raw and Mahomes played a lot more football and a lot more throws there at Texas Tech but you had insane amount of ability and the other thing is when you met with those guys and I got a chance to visit with them but then talking to teams who really dug in with those guys like off the charts intelligent like football intelligence was was phenomenal so you had the raw talent and you had the intelligence and you know all the work ethic all that stuff was there so I think that you know they, they've uh, they've been able to see that talent kind of come through well, we talked about the MVP winner out of this group, Lamar, and now that we've got another season of it, give me your breakdown ahead of time and then then where we're at. Because it's really, it's almost like two different questions, where we were at and I think where we're at now for another mm -hmm. year. This is an interesting one because I think when I go back through and read this, it, the the people are, there's nobody on the fence on Lamar, right? Everybody loves him or they, they seem to not believe in him. And I think you can pull out from this report, whatever side you're on and, and try and reinforce what you believe. But this is coming in the draft. Uh, most dynamic playmaker in college football the last two years. Uh, quick feet in his setup. Uh, bounces on his toes once he gets to the top. Throws from a very narrow base. Generates tremendous velocity just flipping the ball. Failing to generate any power or torque from his lower half. More accurate, consistent on in-breaking routes and over-the-top touch throws. His accuracy really suffers when he has to drive the ball outside the numbers. Uh, too stiff on his front leg. The ball sails on him. Uh, most electric runner at the position to enter the NFL in the last decade. Uh, design quarterback runs, very elusive. Overall, Jackson needs time to work out some mechanical issues, but his playmaking ability is very special. So the same issues he's having outside the numbers and down the field, he's got the same issues now that he did at Louisville. Uh, they've designed an offense around him with the ability to run the ball and to be able to go with the RPO games. And it's just slants and seams. Like he wears people out on slants and seams. And he's won the MVP on slants and seams. Uh, but he still struggles to make some of those other throws 
down the field and on, on the perimeter. He just doesn't have that that accuracy. So you and I were talking about this back then because, I mean, obviously I defer to you, but I knew how much I watched him because on Saturdays yeah. I'd always have a Lamar TV on. Like I was just like, <laughs> this is awesome. But it also, I knew I probably, for all the people who were arguing about it, you know, and it became you know, a few of us, all of us, I know I can be guilty, all of us sometimes the straw man thing, but like I don't invent it out of nowhere, yeah. but the should be receiver was Poley and it was Booger McFarlane. It was like yeah. two people. It was like two mm-hmm. people and they made hoodies about it. And yeah. I think that becomes part of the Lamar discussion, which is like, okay, we're even just talking about him as a football player. I, I don't know if you're going to agree or disagree. I think he's more consistent now as a thrower than he was at Louisville. I do think he's actually improved, which is still kind of scary because it's somewhat of a regression or I think at least people figuring him out a little bit more and understanding that you know, there's just certain things we can do against him. We can sell out in certain moments and other times you try to sell out against him, he's going to burn you like no other quarterback in the league, except for maybe Kyler. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, I remember going into the combine went after those comments had come out. And so I had went on, uh, I think it was Total Access or one of our shows, and they had, I'd been asked about it. And I kind of just looked into the camera and I said, like, look, if, if Lamar's listening or watching, when you get to the combine and you go into an interview room and they ask you about playing receiver, you need to stand up shake their hands in the room and say, thank you guys very much. I look forward to playing against you and just leave like that. This you're a quarterback. You're absolutely a quarterback. Don't even entertain the qu- Don't even answer the question. If they ask you that, just get up and leave. Um, because I thought it was, it was insulting based off what he had been able to accomplish. But um, no, I think, I think you've seen some improvement there, Ryan. I think his, his overall improvement is not even really with his, you know, with, with his accuracy, because I think the things he's excelling on are the same things he excelled on at Louisville. I think his vision's much better. And that comes with what you're saying. You want to attack him and blitz him. He's able to see the picture a little bit clearer now uh, than he did at Louisville to make you pay for some of those things. I actually wanted to do the Deshaun Watson thing because yeah, I got what him. he is what he is doing for percentage of offense for Houston now is is nuts. And you know, like Houston's whole season's been a mess. They had a really, really tough schedule there at the beginning. So I still feel like when you look at Houston because Watson really, and I think some of that defensive stuff is improving. Um, and it's just tough to take Hopkins away for any offense. But to see what Watson continues to do, I, I know. It's one of my pet peeves is you don't want to see them in the playoffs. It's like, well, if they're a playoff team, they're probably pretty good unless it's the NFC East this year. But Houston can put it on you. Yeah. Like, well, they, they can really play with anybody, and it really comes down to how amazing he has been now in the second half of the season. No doubt. Um, can I, I guess one up. of the negatives? Yeah, go ahead. He would just miss on some throws that you didn't expect him to miss on, which I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's looking for it and then going, oh, yeah, he misses on some throws when other guys miss on throws. Like another one of the things I don't like is when they'll say, oh, that defensive lineman takes some plays off. Like they all take plays off. Okay. Mm-hmm. They all take plays off. It's about maintaining their own endurance. But it felt like with Deshaun, for a guy that was that good, there would just be misses. You're like, how the hell did that happen? Mm-hmm. All right. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through and read it. I'll, I'll okay, read this one right. from start. I'll read this one start to finish. Uh, average height, lean, muscular build. Uh, operates in the gun, love his poise playmaking and intangibles, holds the ball by his ear, has smooth, quick delivery, has enough arm strength, he can make all the throws. Accuracy has been very inconsistent, especially on the deep ball. He has some bad misses on tape. Uh, does show the ability to quickly work through progressions, stay poised in the pocket. Decision decision making has been in another area that needs to improve. Struggle with red zone picks in his final year. Very effective runner. Uh, a slithery runner to avoid tacklers. Has shown toughness both as a runner and in the pocket. Overall, I think Watson has a lot of upside at the position, but his accuracy issues and decision-making are a little bit of a concern. Yeah, that was the red zone thing there too. 
Nope. Um, I also think it's because we expected so much out of him. Especially oh yeah, the based first, off the, the coming off the Alabama, Alabama game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I, I was at that one too. I remember just leaving that game and like, holy, that's different. That's different, man. So we didn't really prep for this, but who's the most right you've been about as far as quarterback of the modern guys? And and whatever timeline you want to use yeah. to, to make a better case or make the segment better. That's that's a that's a good question, man. I you know what? When I'm going through here, this is I wouldn't even say necessarily right, but I'll say like the Haskins, there was talk with Haskins kind of, you know, Haskins should have been the first quarterback in that draft class. There's some people that went hard on that. There's some people that thought Haskins should have been a top five pick. Um, but I, I kind of went back and pulled these two up because if you look at the guys who of this group of guys, I think the jury, the verdict's still out on some of them, right? Some of them we can say absolutely are hits. But when I look at the guys, we would say right now, really, really trending in the wrong direction. I'm going to put Darnold to the side because I think he's going to get another opportunity and we'll see what happens with him. But if you look at Rosen and you look at Haskins and you go back through, all right, uh, Rosen, best pure passer in the draft. Uh, Haskins, where is it here? Pure pocket passer, right? So then it goes through in Rosen's report. Issues arise when he's under duress, struggles to create on his own. His accuracy suffers when he's forced off his original launch point. So then I go to Haskins. Biggest issues arise when he's forced to move off his spot because he lacks the suddenness to create and get out of trouble. So to me, it's always you're always evolving and trying to learn and grow, and you're trying to learn from previous reports. So I did not go in on Haskins because of Rosen's struggles. Like that to me was the sign of where we were headed, which was the pocket, the pure pocket quarterbacks, the guys that can't create, the guys that can't make things happen and play off schedule and off script. You don't really have a shot in this league anymore, man. Like it's, it's, it's just the way it is. The old guys can, because they have the years built up of knowledge to be able to beat got teams with their mind. When you look at, you know, rivers and, and, and Brady and breeze and these guys, but you have to accumulate all those years. You can't. The offensive line plays so bad in this league. When you're going to get thrown out in the field, you're going to have to initially be able to win with some of your athleticism until you get the experience to start beating teams with your mind down the line. So to me, it was Rosen signaled the death of the of the pocket passer and Haskins. That's what kept me from jumping in on Haskins. Who have you been the most wrong about then? Oh, easy. Mahomes. Yeah. But – I say that in in that I still feel I saw what I saw with him, which and I can pull up some of my notes from Mahomes, which was uh, yeah, make some Matt Stafford throws. He lives off platform. He's both exciting and reckless. Uh, he's got huge arm, but decision making is a concern. And then I did put at the end, we met with him the week uh, the week before the draft. All my stuff was in. All my grades were in. And did you tell him to there. play receiver? Huh? No, I didn't go that far. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, I liked him. I just didn't have him up there like that. I mean, I did, I did not think yeah. he would go that high because I thought there was some work to be done uh, with him. He was a very boom, like the grade, the grading scale that we use. It's like the boom. He's the ultimate boomer bust. Like he's going to hit big, but there's a lot of risk there. Um, but he came in the week before the draft, and we, we started showing him plays. And I would, I would be like, hey, in the TCU game you know, red zone, third and seven, you know, blah, 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 with no video. And he was just, boom, this is what the play call was. Here's what I saw. Here's the decision that I made. And I'm like, okay, this, this guy's like brilliant on top of having all this ability. And so long story short, yeah, he's, that's a big mess. I know we've, I don't know if you and I talked about it. Clark was big on it because he's so close with Veach. 
um, he's done some really good pieces on on the decision that went into I, I probably the quickest I've been okay with somebody saying, yeah, he's going to be the best that's ever played. Yeah. Like in his second year, <laughs> yeah. like I just do, I normally like my rule would be, I, I'm just not going to like, no, because you're going to be wrong. Like you can't mm-hmm. say that kind of stuff two years in about a guy. And with him, you go, yeah, he's probably, he's probably gonna be the best quarterback that's ever played the position. Yeah. And he may not get six rings, but I, and no one's going to be better than him if he keeps playing like this, but that they were so bad at tech on defense that that's, that was all part of his calculation. Yeah. Because there were so many throws. And I just wonder how many people are listening to this right now going, ah, you know, like, did you watch all those tech games? I doubt yeah. it. Like, I just, yeah. I don't, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I would wonder what percentage of this audience watched Texas Tech regularly. And I remember one game Herb Street did, and he was like just admonishing the pack, like the Big 12 in a way that was almost uncomfortable from an announcer. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like Jay Billis on any college basketball game. And yet yeah. it was Herb Street doing it in a college football game. So, just like disgusted with the product and and i'm like you know and mahomes would drop back run around like tech mobile mm-hmm. throw it up in the air and see what happened and yeah. just go what the hell is this the crazy thing is though did you see like tyreek hill's comments the other day uh, about him i was convinced tyreek hill thought mahomes is like brody croyle or something like, yeah i don't i don't i don't understand what tyreek hill i think tyreek hill's fast i'm gonna leave it at that yeah, no, I I understand that, but I just from talking to other people there at that time when he first got there, like taking a drop, like just simple, like he was not. Oh no, kidding! It was not pretty. No, so Andy and they did a great job of kind of really kind of molding that clay that they had there with that ability, and I think that year was huge um, for from his development standpoint. But I did hear, I just thought it was funny because I remember hearing some of those stories like that first week where it was like, oh my gosh, like that we knew this guy was a little raw, but like this is crazy raw. And then by the middle of the season, Veach is texting me videos from practice. Like, dude, check this throw out. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be pretty good. Yeah, Veach should be in Canton right now. Just, <laughs> just off just, that one? Just deciding. Because, you know, Canel and I used to argue all the time about rest versus playing. And I go, eventually, you don't get better at something unless you start doing it. Yeah. You, you can't. Resting is the wrong word, but just not playing. I figured, I, I feel like Mahomes would have figured it out at some point. I can't. I don't believe in this alternative path where Mahomes is rushed right away like how could you be the best to ever play but then somehow be a bust somewhere else but it seems yeah. like you're pushing back on this a little bit like you think no I, a, I I think if it he's with be, Gase right now oh gosh look I, I think I think I think his ability would have eventually shown through That's and he would have he, he would have been really good do I think do I think there was a better situation than the one he went into no uh, I think it was absolutely right. the best Okay, but 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 that. so then why the only way I would push back on that is I would say are you pushing back on yourself now? Yeah, I am pushing. No, no, okay, I'm, right. no, no, I'm, I'm just pushing back on the how good the situation is there. I don't push back on his ability and his talent level. I think that would have come through wherever he went. But what I would say is, if you look at the success that he's had there, and I I would push back and say if you put Matthew Stafford in that offense with Andy Reid and let him roll with it, that we'd be talking about him winning multiple MVPs. Um, if you took Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or a lot of these other guys and put him in there in this offense, they would win multiple MVPs. I enjoyed the end of that Tampa game where they threw the screen to the right side and then third and seven, they threw it again, which was maybe yeah. going to give Tampa 40 more seconds, I think. Yeah. I'd have to, I think it was 115 when they snapped at third and seven and they threw. And I'm just looking at Andy Reid there and I'm going, this is the guy that everybody thought was at one point the dumbest clock management head coach <laughs> in the NFL. And he's doing yeah. something that on paper is dumb, but I loved it. I loved it in the moment. You're like, if this guy's actually the best to ever have done it, 
Let him do it. Let him throw. Let him end the game right now in third and seven instead of what? Running, running the fight. I mean, that that was a lot of time. That was a lot of time to kind of give Tampa in that situation. But did um, you see, did you see, I don't know if you noticed this, but I was cracking up laughing. It was the, uh, the Raiders chiefs game where, where they came back and won on the last drive. So the Raiders go down and score with however much time is left. But there was a point in the, in the last couple minutes of that game while the uh, Raiders are driving and Andy was going to start burning his timeouts. So he goes, he tries to get the timeout and then like another 10 to 12 seconds, like run off the clock. And so I'm saying, I'm like, he, he's going to lose his mind, like on this official because he just cost him 12 seconds. And they're literally the Raiders are right on the doorstep getting ready to score. And he goes down there and kind of like gestures to the thing, like the time. And, and the guy just says like a couple words to him and just turned around and walked away. I'm like, he doesn't care. He's like 10 or 12 seconds. Like my guys, my guy's going to have plenty of time to go down here and win this game. Like any other coach would have lost their mind. And Andy was just like, all right, whatever. 10 less seconds. We'll be okay. What I love about the Raiders is that second game was terrific. They put it on them in the first one. The Raiders have probably the best. Well, they do. They have the best win. If we were going to do college football resumes for NFL teams, the Raiders have the best win and easily the most inexplicable loss. Of what they beat happened the Saints too, right? Yeah. And but to lose to Atlanta and just get trucked by him. Yeah. Like, that'll be game. one of those things. The Raiders, if they're in the playoffs, you're going, oh, wait, that happened. So um, I wanted to ask you, I, I want story time from you before we let yep. you go. But this has become a big part of the season. The the quarterback lawyers out there. So it became a topic that I talked about on Monday because of the Romo defending Brady and basically criticizing Arians. But it seems like a lot of the ex-athletes hate the uh, law offices of Romo and Collinsworth and, and like all of these guys that seem to protect the quarterback. But then it was another level for the Monday night game with Wentz where people were so mad. Anytime Brian Greasy would be like, well, that actually was a screen and they missed the block here and it was on again. And it look, it's a lot of guys I used to work with at ESPN. Like I could start naming names. They know who they are. They got so mad about the, the defense of any of these quarterbacks. What do you think is, is fair when it comes to, the stuff you're at home. Yeah, I mean, you're at yeah. home just like the rest of us are watching these games. They give me a breakdown of the Tampa thing and then Wentz. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think either quarterback's in a good situation right now when you look at those two guys. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's some – I mean, to to absolve either one of them of blame is crazy to me. Neither one of them are playing well. Um, so that to me, it's kind of more a little bit more nuanced there. I don't think either one of them are in the right system that fits what they do right now. Um, and the other side of it is, well, that, but that's where you find yourself. Your job is to then execute with the situation you find yourself in. I think Carson's is a little, Carson's is, is, is a longer story, uh, about everything that's going on there with him. To me, he looks like somebody who's kind of just completely lost his confidence. You know, you yeah. can see it when a guy in out in hoops, I'd be curious, Ryan, like, in football, we talk about guys just start guiding the ball, right? They don't they don't have any confidence or trust, and you're really trying to guide the ball in, and then you end up with some really bad misses. I don't know if a shooter goes through a slump, what, what that looks like, but that's what it looks like with Carson. There's nothing like a quarterback who's lost confidence. It really, yeah. really I think eventually, like, if you're a decent shooter, you're not just going to not be able to shoot for a year because you're bummed out. I mean, Paul George yeah. blamed the bubble, so whatever. Um, but I don't know what the excuse was in other playoff games. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that you'll notice in basketball is a guy who was a guy and is coming back from some kind of injury and he's good to go. It's not like he doesn't trust his knee and you played a lot of basketball. He's mm-hmm. just stuff around the rim. He's in between decisions. He doesn't know yeah. if he's supposed to. Sometimes you just forget to drive because you're like, you know, remember you used to drive past guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then eventually all that stuff goes away. I don't think there's anything 
as long lasting in basketball as there is as the quarterback who's just completely lost. And then mm-hmm. you'll see guys who lose so much confidence, they just start changing the way they play. Like that's yeah. one of the crazy things about the Cousins story is that Cousins was somebody who took no chances to kind of make his way into the game. And then he had some decent statistical seasons. And then he actually started, I think, chucking the ball a lot last year. And you're like, you know what? He actually kind of came around. And then, you know, he has his dud game after they beat the Saints, which wasn't surprising to me. And then the beginning of this year, he was chucking it all over the place and they were terrible for it. And then they completely like changed who they became as a team with Cook. And that yet Cousins was great. Like Cousins will have these moments where he's like two completely different guys, which is one of my biggest problems with ever putting him up in in a higher group with with some other people that have him up there. But Cousins, to me, like to, in some areas, there's some similarities to Rivers in that I always felt like with Rivers, man, if 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 he hits that that hot stretch for him when you get in the postseason, like Flacco is a great example. Like Flacco over 16, 17 games in any season of his career, like you're not you're not going to buy that as a championship quarterback. But he always had that ceiling where for, man, if he can get it for three or four weeks, he's capable of doing that and off they go. I've always kind of put Rivers in that category that if he could get in the tournament and and just kind of have one of those hot streaks, he could carry him. And Cousins is kind of like the, the next version of that where, man, I, I don't trust Kirk over 16 games, but in a three or four game stretch, if you've got the good version of Kirk Cousins, like that's that's dangerous. Like he could actually do something. I've always liked Rivers way more than Cousins. I wouldn't say this version of Rivers, um, but you know he's more accomplished. Thing. He's I'm definitely sorry. more accomplished. Definitely more accomplished. Yeah. But I'm just still saying that that Rivers, his hot stretches lasted longer than any of Kirk's hot stretches. But I've seen Rivers put together, you know, three unbelievable games, and then just out of nowhere, you're like, dude, what what happened? Like just a, a clunker can happen. So that that to me is where I find a little bit of the similarity there. You always have great stories for us from the front office stuff from uh, all your years doing it. I'll let you just take this one any direction you want to go. So go ahead. All right. So I uh, I think I've given you all my good ones. So I can give you ones of guys I've worked with. Um, <laughs> these are some of my favorites, but I'll give you two of them here. Uh, so Duke Duke has their, their pro day. Uh, or sorry, no, it's an individual workout. So my buddy's going there and he's, he's going there to, to work out a player. Well, it's pouring rain. So, and it's like a, it's called like a box workout. So it's like, there's little touch pads and you get all this information on them, change of direction type drills. You can't do it on a, on a cruddy surface. So it's like, all right, we'll, we'll just go into, we'll go into Camden. We'll, we'll go inside and, and do it on the basketball court. So they just kind of work their way in there. Well, you got to put tape on the floor in order to go to have the different things to touch. So he's putting them to the workout while the janitor sees him them out there and just loses his mind like what are you doing like kicks him out of there he's got to take the tape off the floor my buddy's like i'm taking the tape off the floor and like some of the paint off of the court just comes off with the tape and he's like man we just gonna get the heck out of here so so he gets out of he goes I'm watching a Duke basketball game the next week and you can still see on the floor like where where he's peeled the paint off of the Duke basketball court. So that was uh that was one of my favorites. So that was right there in Cameron. Like Yeah, sorry, just, Cameron, Cameron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cameron Indoor. So, I mean, what was he putting down? Duct tape here? Like what he didn't yeah, think that I don't that was think apparently be a it was not apparently it wasn't painter's tape. Apparently it was something a little stronger than that. Um but yeah, he, he just peeled the paint right off uh uh, when he picked it up. So that, that's my first, one. my second one, um, but he's going to uh, Penn state to do a private workout with a player. 
many, many years ago, about 15 years ago, uh, wherever long it was. So he's out there and uh, Joe Paw comes out to, to talk to him while he's out there working out the player. It's just him and the, and the player out there putting him through the workout. My buddy works for the Ravens, right? Joe Paw thinks it's the Raiders. He just sees his shirt. And so he just starts peppering him with stories about Al Davis and make sure you tell this guy I said hello, all these Italian names of people that are somehow connected with the Raiders. And he's like, I didn't have it in my heart to tell him. So I just I just rolled with it the the whole rest of the day. And just I was a, I was a Raider scout that day, as far as as far as he knows. <laughs> when I did a live show from Chapel Hill for Duke UNC, so I was at the the ceiling is the roof, Michael Jordan speech game, which, you know, some people want to be at the Elo shot game. Some people want to be the, the Phoenix Suns finals. I was, I was lucky enough to get his halftime speech, but I drove over to Cameron. I wanted to check out Duke's campus. So I just, I had mm-hmm. a few hours. I was like, all right, I'm here. Let me head over there. I was walking around Duke. It's so different from you. It's not that they're supposed to be identical because they're so close, but it's just, it's very different. The architecture, it's almost like Gothic in a way. So I go over to the gym. And I'm thinking, all right, there's probably a way I can get in here. And then a bunch of the players at this point, you got to remember, I'm like 20 years old. These guys like, yeah. hey, it was such I felt like such a loser. I'm like, hi, my name's Ryan ES, <laughs> ESPN. I probably was like within three sentences, like Van Pelt. Remember, remember him? And, and the kids are just looking at me. I think one of the kids was foreign, too, was like, uh. I was like, is there any way I can come in and just look at like, I don't want anything. I don't want to play. I'm not trying to touch or anything. I just want to walk in and see the inside of the arena. And uh, they sent somebody back out, and the guy was like, "No." Was like, yeah, but I'm with the SBA. He's like, "Yeah, absolutely not." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, all right, cool, thank you, thank you for the hospitality. I appreciate it." <laughs> I think it's the only time that's the only other time I ever gotten kicked out of anything was uh, the first ever game at the new Cowboy Stadium, but it was BYU in Oklahoma. It's where Bradford hurt his shoulder, so the real first game wasn't a Cowboys game; it was that football game, and we had sideline passes, and they still kicked us out. It was unbelievable. So. Yeah, I, I I went there for Daniel Jones Pro Day, and I'd been there uh, on some football uh, trips before. But I at that time I was like, you know, what, I'm here. We had some downtime. I'm like, I'm definitely going to go. So I want to see the I want to see Cameron and Door. So I went over there. The door was literally just open. I just walked right in. That's the thing is a lot of times right it's to, just walked that. right down yeah. onto the floor. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I just took a couple pictures and then uh, and then Any got jumpers out of there. up. There's no ball. Uh, I did not. I should I should have brought my own ball. But it was uh, man, it was tiny. Like I I knew it wasn't it wasn't big big but i got in out this thing is a little band box in here yeah hey that's daniel jeremiah move the sticks it's at move the sticks on twitter check out all of this stuff and we'll uh, we'll be talking 2021 at some point here soon all right we'll get there good to see you bud you want details bye i drive a ferrari 355 cabriolet what's up i have a ridiculous house in the south fork i have every toy you can possibly imagine and best of all, kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. We'll do a couple of quick ones here. Okay. Hey, Ryan, have you thought about popping a gummy before the pod and or life advice portion and doing it high? Well, the answer is no to that one. Um, he said maybe a holiday special life advice with Chris Long and Stone Ryan. That's not really my deal. I don't even really like it being hung over anymore. So um, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know what that would be like. I'm not, a, I'm not a big weed guy, Kyle, as you know. I didn't know that, actually. This is great news. Oh, you it's thought I was a weed no, guy? No, I didn't think you were, but it's just one of those things like don't ask, don't tell. Is that the right way to use that? 
I don't even know. I think everybody's into weed now, or at least. Well, it sounds like just, almost everybody. Sounds like almost everybody. Yeah, not everybody. Hey, look, I'm not against it. You like weed? Go ahead. Like weed. I, I don't care. As I get older, I judge less and less. But yeah, I don't I don't feel like doing a hey everyone. You know, we still had a corporation over here trying to run. Yeah, well, I didn't you know? think that would be the thing, but like uh I don't know, like the the last couple college games are sucking on a Saturday. Maybe you just open the stash. I don't know. I'll tell you the Saturdays haven't been great for college football, <laughs> but I don't I don't know what kind of note taking you'd be going through. I know everybody like again, when I say everybody, I mean the the movement of 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 everybody being pro weed but as i've said a couple times i've been around some people that were super into gummies and i'd be like this can't be safe like this can't be normal that you can just go ahead and get yourself a couple of these but again you can say the same stuff about booze it is again so yeah right so it's not tool uh, concert again, i don't want to I don't, okay, I don't okay. Want to. yeah I, I, <laughs> i'm, I'm not sitting done. around <laughs> pining about oh darn, like i could go to a tool concert with a uh, a pellegrino and be fired up okay so, uh, that's, I can't wait to see them again. Can't wait. It's the best. All right. So sorry about that, but, uh, I appreciate the question. Oh, there's more. All right. Anyway, 25 years old in sales is a startup that is growing quickly. And I might break six figures this year. If things play out nice dude, uh, like other males, my age that were fortunate to keep our jobs during the pandemic. I also got in the stock market and investing with all of this free time during, uh, uh, during i don't know what the hell that what he's saying there all right let's face it it's easier to get away with working less oh working from home working less especially in sales of the product that typically sells itself and you're just in the way all right like that perspective smart young all right hey it's not you like younger guys look older people this isn't even an old young but a lot of people that want to kind of just take credit for stuff because it makes it feel better it's more interesting to say you're awesome than say hey i'm actually pretty useless although if you're really self-deprecating and like so humble it's actually maybe more annoying than being arrogant again a different topic another day all right, so I like where this guy's head's at with this. He goes, I went through the typical evolution of a new investor. I already know where this is going. Were you thinking you get rich on a penny stocks uh, and to buying airlines because the pandemic is trying to uh, time the pump and dumps? That being said, I now look to invest and not trade as often. I also managed to take the obsession and emotion out of it after six months. If you were able to do that after six months, uh, congrats to you. I was not able to take all of the emotion out of it. Um, I just, you know, uh, but then eventually I did. Eventually I did, but it took me longer than six months. And he wants to think towards the future. I'm over 90% return in nine months with a positive outlook. All right. I would, this is the other thing you think about investing. If anybody would ever say, like, hey, you're going to have 90% returns on this, what are you waiting for? Cash out now? You know, there's, I don't know. Look, I already thought we were going to be heading into the other direction at some point, not because of an election or anything like that. Um, it had, more to do with i just don't know how this bill isn't going to come due at some point especially with more shutdowns and probably another stimulus uh at the start of next year but again i'm reading a lot of stuff that you were reading so i'm not pretending to have any more insight than a guy that reads so that's why i'm probably less confident about so many things <laughs> other than maybe the nba uh and that's why i just you know when people yell at me about what they know I, i'm like are you sure and then it turns into like as if i'm yelling at everybody else but i'm just you know there's going to be a lot of topics where i'm sort of like i don't know I don't know. So anyway, on the stock market, if you have 90% return right now, we're over 30,000 on the Dow, which again, is not every stock. We understand this, but um, you're, you're not going to have 90% returns just stay, 90% returns staying in it the entire time. So why don't you get out for a little bit and then see where we're at in a little while? Honestly, I mean, if you're doing that well already, you're probably not going to keep that pace up. Like, are you hoping for 200% returns? Anyway. All right. Um, 
working at a tech company. I read a lot of the news on other companies, so I'm relatively informed. I like talking about business, what stocks are doing and things like that. My roommate is into it as well, but talks about it not as much as me. Do people find this shit interesting like I do, or is this a quiet hobby, even a, on a conversational level? Um, he also wants to let us know that he's stoned while he wrote that. <laughs> All right. I think we all feel stoned up. Now, it's honestly, this is pretty straightforward. Like, why would you care if it, it makes you look bad or what? Is it douchey to like investing? No. Why? Why? If you're younger and not as many people in your circle are talking, then just don't talk about it with them. Okay. You know what I like about this email is that you actually seem to have a lot of self-perspective on this because, um, or self-awareness, however you want to phrase it, you are into this. You think it's fun. It sounds like you got your ass kicked a few times, which is what happens to all of us in the beginning because you're super arrogant. You know what's funny about age is I remember once like talking to Bob Ryan about a basketball thing when I was in my 20s. I mean, it's freaking Bob Ryan. I'm at the garden and I say something to him and I go, well, you know, this guy is so much better than this guy. And this is what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what the sports commentary that I was I was throwing at him. But I was like, you know, hey, it's Bob Ryan. But he'd been always awesome, awesome to me, still is awesome to me. And I was going to just share my opinion on something with him. And he kind of looked at me and went, eh, maybe. And I didn't get it. I'm like, how is Bob Ryan just sort of indifferent? He's like, eh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm like, how do you not? Like, what do you mean you're not sure? How are you not saying you're wrong or you're absolutely right? And his whole point was that he's been around so long that he became more indifferent to thinking. Or I, I would, let, me, let me put it differently. He's been around so long that he actually is less certain about the outcome of things. And that's already happened to you at a young age, which is why I'm, I'm kind of impressed with this email. So first of all, liking to have your money work for you at a young age is not a bad thing. Like, don't, don't be freaked out by what I would say the last couple of years, this momentum of where people that are successful suck. Because that, that whole department is a joke. You know, there's these people that hate success but the first person to like some stupid Instagram fucking post that's like, if it's not making you money, why are you doing it? Or the dumb meme where it's like rich guy, poor guy, and it's like expensive watch. Rich guy has a cheap watch. You know what rich guys have? Not cheap watches. Okay. So don't apologize for any of this. Be interested in it. Read the room, which I think you're actually capable of doing. And, you know. I have some, the 90% thing scares me a little bit. He's like, hey, I'm over 90% in nine months with a positive outlook. Dude, read about Tesla. And I don't say this because I understand what Tesla's going to do, but read how determined the bears are on Tesla to continue to tell you why the stock is worth nothing after it split like it did and after it split and then it wasn't on the S&P and then people are like, see, I told you, which didn't make any sense why it wouldn't be on the S&P. So it dips and everybody who loves it still bought the dip because they're like, the S&P thing doesn't even mean anything. And then guess what? They got listed and then it took off again. And I'm not telling you it's going to keep taking off. What I'm telling you is that it's just like sports with Tesla, is that all the people that saw, let's say, Tesla as the quarterback out of college and thought he was going to suck, they keep telling you the company sucks all the time, and they don't know. And then the people that look at Tesla as the next Andrew Luck have been right so far, but they don't know the next 10 years. They can tell you they think you know. They're all just rooting for the same outcome, except this part of it, instead of a football player, it's their wallet. So yeah, keep reading, but... The longer you're going to be around, the longer you're going to be Bob Ryan's like, hey, I put some money into this. I don't know what's going to happen. Sounds like it's like fantasy football. 
Like you talk well, it's about legalized it. gambling. I mean, basically. Yeah. yeah but I just, as far as like talking about it, like some people really don't want to hear anything about your fantasy team and other people are like, Oh dude, I got crushed too. What you don't want to be is, is gambling guy. Who's never lost a fucking bet. All right. Or gambling guy that has like a 13 teamer in Vegas. And then shockingly, when it doesn't go his way, he's like, I can't believe I just lost 21 grand. You're like, no, you didn't lose 21 grand. You lost what you bet and the opportunity to win 21 grand, which wasn't going to happen because you weren't going to hit on a 13 teamer. All right. Um, investment guy early on, but a lot of us go through this. We'll go through this and I did it too. You're so insecure in your twenties that you kind of want to stand out and like a couple of your friends are killing it and you are maybe not. And maybe your friend who you think is killing it actually isn't. And then everybody's kind of overcompensating. And maybe you're just a completely well-adjusted guy in the middle of nowhere who's already got his high school sweetheart and you've already got a kid on the way. And none of this shit even matters to you. And I envy you. I envy your limited view on things because you don't want it. You don't care about any of the other stuff that's going on. And I'm actually saying like you might be winning. But for those of us that are out there on the hustle in our 20s and you're living in some of these bigger cities and everything kind of a competition and these are your boys, but you're kind of when they get really good news, you're kind of more bummed out than you are excited for your friend because that's kind of the part that you don't like to admit. But a lot of you guys are doing it. I probably have done it. I know a bunch of my friends have done it to me. Being like, what? Fucking Rosillo's killing it. Really? That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so and look, it's forever. But, uh, you know, just, just make sure you're not like talking up stocks. Like, just don't be like stock guy to everybody. Like, Hey, you know, that reminds you of the sick move I made on Dell. Right. <laughs> and I think you already did it by that email. Like, I kind of feel like, you know what? I feel like you kind of nailed that already. Okay. Um, okay. This one's bad. All right. Our man checks in 26 years old from Philly. Um, he's living at home now because he's working remotely. Join the club. All right. Went out with my sister and her friends all in their 20s. Last Saturday, started drinking beer around three in the afternoon, having a great time. Fast forward several hours. Uh oh. We moved to our friend's house and I got a little over my skis. I eventually got into an argument with one of my sister's friends and called her a very bad word. We're not going to repeat here. This is pretty much the one you can never come back from. I woke up having remembered absolutely none of it, went downstairs, and my entire family would not speak to me. I think getting that wrecked at your family's house in your 20s is a whole, um, I mean, look, I, I do not have a family that gets after it on the holidays. So I can't even fathom what it would be like to be like home and be in my 20s and like, I don't know. And be like, hey, everybody, you guys want to throw in some Radiohead? Um, so anyway, he went downstairs. Family wouldn't talk to him. Kyle, when you go home, do you, I'm sure you get after it. Like, look, when I would go home for the holidays, I would go out, but I wouldn't like rage all day and then you know, show back up to my parents. Maybe house. in like, the, I, I yeah, maybe in the summer, if I'm, if I'm like doing the Thanksgiving night thing, I'm sneaking into the basement and I'll see y'all in the morning. Yeah. Right. I'll see you guys. I'm like a happy drunk anyway, though. I'm not a, in danger of doing any, anything that's going to like sever relationships, but I've had a few hungover Thanksgivings where I think my family on purpose, my father just to mess with me. They, we always had the earliest Thanksgiving ever. And you know, Thanksgiving, we all know the deal. I mean, some of you don't, most of us do. That Wednesday's like the all-timer. And when you're younger, especially when you're coming back from college, you think you're so cool. And you're just like, yeah, I'm back. I'm awesome now. Did you see my hoodie from, from Vermont? Yeah. yeah. All right. So he goes, wakes up, remembers none of it. Um, he goes, I knew in my head instantly I must have gotten an argument with my sister's friend because she was baiting me the entire night, giving me sass remarks after jokes I made, eventually saying that guys like me are pigs. And the last words I remember her saying to me was, I bet you would like to fight me. Hmm. All right. That's not very nice. 
Um, to provide some context on my sister's friend, she is um, very social activist, kind of that newer thing we're seeing. All right. So <laughs> she constantly posts on Instagram stories about how woke she is. She gets in political arguments with anyone she possibly can. If you've not met this type of person yet, God bless you. After hearing about what I did, I knew my sister's friend had gotten to me to eat the cheese and the mousetrap went slamming down on my neck. Very good analogy. I know I was completely in the wrong for calling a woman that word, especially one of my sister's friends. Okay. Yes, you were. I am completely embarrassed and wish that I'd practice some self-control. Sunday night, my mom expressed her disdain for me and told me that I needed to reevaluate my life. Both my sisters have not spoken to me. I'm very upset because my sisters and I are all extremely close and enjoy going out together. In addition, my family has been upset with me because the only time I ever go over the top drunk is when I'm at home. So wait, you only get this banged up when you're home and the rest of the time you're fine. That's insane. I know like, again, every, every, you want to be delicate. Everyone is different here, but I don't know. Stop blacking out of your parents' house. This is the third time this year. I've completely destroyed a potentially very fun night. It's humiliating and sucks. Yeah. You're bummed out. I don't know. So when you sent this email, that meant you sent it, um, so he was a week out. He was a week out. I would think at 26, the hangover would have gone away. But now you're having the mental apology tour hangover, which is going to give you a lot worse in two more years. Um, just so you know, once that 27, 28-year-old thing, science kicks in and you're going to be bummed out for like a couple weeks. Um, so hopefully you're over it. Hopefully you're over it by now reading some of this email. Okay, all right. Because I'm going to always operate with like, well, I, I don't know. I don't want to make any assumptions here. All right. So both of his sisters have not spoken to him. I'm very upset. Serving close to where he said that. Um, it's humiliating. It sucks. Yep. Um, but it never happens when it's with my friends and my sisters have emphasized that heavily to my mom and dad. All right. So the sisters have his back here saying, Hey, actually he's never like this except when he comes home. My issue is that I don't want to apologize to my sister's friend. I do not have any respect for her. And I do not want to give her the satisfaction after the way she acted. Am I completely in the wrong? I know that I'm partially am. Should I also give up entirely on going out in my hometown? It sounds like if this happens every time you're out in your hometown, but I think you could, if you're not this, if it's not this big of an issue the rest of the time, like, you know, there there are ways to figure this thing out. You know, every now and then, like if you know it's going to be a long night, you can you can uh, you can go. Hey, I'm just going to drink soda waters with lemon and not tell anybody. You know, and I'll I'll clock it out. I mean, I know that sounds a little weird. You'd have to go through all that kind of stuff to avoid it, but you know what I'm saying here. There there are ways around this, and if you're that fine the rest of the time, then I don't know what's going on when you're home here. All right, I think the key thing is that the apology. You don't want to apologize to the girl. You called her a really bad word, man. And you cannot mean the apology and apologize if that fixes some things. Here's the deal. It's your sisters and you said you're close. You guys are going to be friends again. This is not going to be a thing that now changes the course of your friendship with your sisters forever. They're just your sisters. They're stuck with you and you're, they're stuck, you know, you're stuck with them. So don't freak out about the long-term thing here with the sister. I think what you do is you explain it and be like, hey, look, I screwed up, but not unprovoked. And if you want me to apologize to her, I will even though I don't want to. So maybe that helps repair some of this stuff. It expedites the situation with the sisters. Um, but you should you should want to apologize just to make your mom a little happier and like whatever. But now you know the deal. It's like you have two strikes on you at home. And if this happens again, like when your parents start saying like reevaluate your, your shit, that's the worst. It sucks. My thing was my parents would be down on me. And then as soon as I was successful, it didn't matter. Then they were like, oh, hey, you're back for the weekend. You can hang out with your buddies. I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm 28 now. And they're like, oh, when I came back and I was like 25, 26, they're like, oh, you're going to go out the whole weekend? I'm like, yeah, I'm here visiting. And they're like, really? I'm like, you know, you guys are acting 
Like this isn't normal for a 25 year old, but again, you know, again, each, everyone's parents are different. So, um, this is repairable. It's not the end of the world. Don't act like it is. And I know it feels like it in the moment, but I would say if you're going to get super after it, um, try to time it out. So it's not when you're with your parents and sisters all the time. What would you do in that case, Kyle? If I was him, I think you just take one for the team. You could specifically apologize for saying what I imagine is the C word. And, um, I don't know. Move on. Yeah. Do it for your sisters. You don't have to feel sorry. You know, just say sorry. It's easy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I want to make a pattern of endorsing, hey, just apologize and don't mean it. Um, but I mean, she was really saying all these terrible things to you. I can the imagine the night. buttons you, that were being pushed for a right. drunk guy. I mean, it's, some, some of it's a little understandable, but definitely not. And with all of these emails, I'll imagine there's sometimes people don't want to come clean on everything, but this guy admitted a lot of stuff he's not psyched about. So let's take him at his word. She was, you know, he can't do what he did, but I also don't think people should, should get a pass on, on doing their whole thing, you know, and for her to say, I bet you'd like to fight me. Like, what does, what does that mean? So, uh, let's just leave it at this. Just stop blacking out at your parents' house. All right. Problem solved. Okay, that's one to grow on. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. We have an awesome schedule next week. Um, so, again, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody.